with views so never-ending and sunsets so divine, you'll barely even notice the rolling blackouts. Welcome to Rapture. Welcome home. Sam Maverus, acting lead officer for the West Wing. Is this really necessary? I told you I know her. <sighs> I've been assigned to interrogate undocumented detainee, Dr. Sarah Penn. I asked to be the one to interview her, not interrogate because I knew her before the pandemic. She's a good person. We just need to get some clarifications before she can become documented to the wing. I'm about to enter Dr. Penn's holding room. Hey, Sarah. Sam? Yeah, it's, uh, it's me. What's going on? I've been locked to this chair and this table for over a day. I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty, and... I know. I'm, uh, look, I'm sorry about all this. It was either we lock you in here, or we throw you back out on the street. There's been a swarm of infected people coming towards the hospital ever since you arrived at our doors. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Okay, well... It's nice to see you, too. I just want to go over the events that led you to come here. You're the one that told me to go here if where I came from wasn't safe. That's not exactly what I meant, but I think you know that. Hmm. Please, Sarah, just let me do my job. This is ridiculous. All right, then. You're leaving? You, You just got here. I really don't have the time to fight with you. Then don't. Let me out of here. (laughs) I can't do that yet. Why not? You know me, Sam. I'm not some dangerous monster that you need to contain. We're friends. Or at least, we were. We are friends. That's why you're in here. In this room. Instead of being torn apart by your infected neighbors. But I don't call the shots here. And before they let me let you out, you've got to give us some kind of explanation. Explanation of what? Explanation for why you showed up, bleeding and covered in ashes, screaming like you just escaped from the nut house. Well, that's just offensive. I'm, I'm not trying to be offensive. Well, you are. You can't refer to people as coming from a nut house. The city's at the beginning of a civil war of some kind, and you're worried about being politically correct? It's a rude term, and it's a touchy subject. Sarah, what happened to you? You know, I... It was dark. Not just rapture. 
With the exception of a couple of buildings in the distance, the entire city was without power as far as I could see. Um, let's get started. Before I moved to this side of the country, I used to take pride in the surplus of scented candles I owned. <laughs> where my family is, or where they were, when I last spoke to them, I would, um... I would do yoga in my house. <laughs> I would turn out all the lights in my house and light like a dozen candles. I'd roll out my yoga mat and I'd do a full 60-minute sequence. Those were the nights that I would sleep super well. I've always had nightmares in the way that other people dream. Most nights, I would wake up drenched in sweat, but on the nights that I did my candlelit yoga, I didn't dream. Those were the most peaceful nights that I had. Did yoga make you feel better after your last patient, the one that made you leave the hospital? You know, I, when I moved into Rapture, I didn't actually bring most of my candles, and now that I think about it, I don't think I did any yoga afterwards. So yeah, I guess I didn't have that stress relief. Oh, that must have been tough. <sighs> I moved out here and I brought only a few of my candles. The flashlight was so aggressive. There was no way of confusing it with the light from the fire that I had started in Mr. Smith's apartment. Wait, wait. You started a fire? The candles, on the other hand... I mean, from a distance, I assumed it would be difficult to distinguish between a couple of candles and the fire that was probably raging just a floor above me. Meredith was afraid. I mean, I was too. I had just watched someone have their neck snapped and their body contorted in a way that clearly wasn't survivable. There was no doubt in my mind that Colin would do the exact same thing to me if he had the opportunity. So, we ran. We threw whatever projectiles that I owned in front of the front door with the hopes that it would buy us some time so that Meredith and I could escape. The only place I could think of going was the west wing of the hospital, like you had mentioned when we spoke on the phone. And how did that go? I don't know what I would have done without Meredith. <laughs> My whole body by that time was just enveloped in this wet blanket of panic and disarray. I didn't know if I wanted to keep fighting because what was I even fighting for anymore? I had no family. I couldn't work. And now the world had fallen apart and I was alone. Except for this stupid little kid who had lost her family too. We pulled all the towels and the bed sheets that I owned from the beds and from the closets, and I showed the girl how to tie knots that wouldn't fail. I tried to make it fun because, you know, she's a young kid and she was terrified. So I told her about back home. I told her about when I was her age, my sister and I, we would play on these huge boulders that were out behind our house. 
we had named them, all the different names of different Sesame Street characters. And we would chip off little pieces of the rocks to make paint colors for us to finger paint our faces. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is an amusing use for spit and dirt. (laughs) Um... Kind of gross in hindsight. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't think that part through. (laughs) You heard the part of the recording when we were halfway between floors using our makeshift rope and the wind picked up. It isn't summer anymore here, as you know. It's cold at night. (laughs) The sand or the dirt or... Silt, whatever the dust is that comes in when the wind picks up, was biting into my eyes. It was getting into my nose and my mouth. It was getting harder and harder to see. It felt like what I remember ice storms to feel like during those unfortunate times you get stuck in the middle of February outdoors somewhere far from home. It's as if little knives or pellets are pecking away pieces of the softest parts of the skin of your face. So we swung into a balcony and I broke out a window to get us back into the building, away from that pain and that pecking and that biting cold wind. Is that when you injured your hand? You used your fist to shatter a hole in the balcony window? (laughs) Yeah, there was an infected person, um... One of the infected was still living in that apartment, I guess, so I had to had to get rid of it. Is that the first infected you've killed? First and only, hopefully. Sarah, tell me you didn't get any of its blood on you. I mean, no, I don't think I did. We're still not sure how this spreads, but... I punched through the balcony window and... It's a pretty safe bet there's something in the blood. (sighs) Is that what you're worried about? You're worried I'm infected? That I'm going to turn into one of those... One of those things? Can you blame us? Who's us? The West Wing. The group living in the hospital that you barged into. I didn't just barge in. If you'd just let me tell the whole story, you'd understand what actually happened, and you'd let me see her. See who, Sarah? Meredith! Who the hell else would I be talking about? Where are you going? I need a minute. Just give me a minute. (sighs) So, what is the problem here? Have you figured the issue out yet? I'm working on it. Just... We don't have all night. Just give me a minute, would you? That gang of the infected are just outside our periphery. I know that, sir. I'm trying to get to the bottom of things. Has she told you what the story is with the girl yet? (sighs) Listen, I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but you could hear everything going on in that room. The audio player I brought in projects to your earpiece. I didn't ask you to explain the obvious to me. No. I asked for answers. I need to know if she's a threat. I know that. Is she infected? Is she hostile? Can I trust her with a gun to defend against the group, or is she going to turn on us? What are we doing here, Maverick? All I'm saying is that you have the exact same information that I do. Medical skills or not, I'm not going to lose everything I've worked to salvage for the sake of some random chick you used to know. I need more time to get to the bottom of things. 
I will figure this out. I've got my ideas, but I'm still... I'm trying to... I don't know. Do you know something you're not telling me? Because you know I don't tolerate that kind of insubordination. I'm not trying to be insubordinate. Just give me a little more time, would you? If this girl is a danger, we need to get rid of her. We can't risk everything we've built on a memory of some resident doctor you thought you knew. If she's getting to you... She's not getting to me. She knew Nadia, and you know that. You're letting your emotions get the better of you, and I can't have that sort of weakness in my officers. You mean, officer? You only have me. Keep your disrespect to yourself. I built this place from the ground up, and you're lucky to have the title you do. Look, I'm not trying to be your enemy. I'm trying to get answers. We need to know if there's something wrong with her. If she's dangerous. You just heard her. She tried to burn down her own building. What kind of safe haven is going to let someone capable of that run free? We've got others to think about here, Maverick, and you know it. Yeah. Now put on your big boy pants and get back in there so we can get this garbage figured out. We can only hold them back for so long. I'm not infected, Sam. I know. I know. You would have started showing signs by now. Though obviously, you should realize getting angry and showing aggression like you just did is not going to help your argument. Sorry. Yeah. Well, if I'm stuck in here until I tell you whatever information it is that you guys are looking for, fine. What do you need me to tell you? Sarah, what was in the apartment? What was in there? What did you find? Okay, um, the apartment was a lot like mine, but more like mine if a hurricane of destruction went through. It was really messy. The hominid, or the infected guy, he had been in there for a while. And for some reason, I guess he couldn't open his apartment door to get out. Which is weird, since Colin had no problem behaving like a normal albeit totally psychotic, human being. Maybe... Maybe whatever this infection is, maybe it affects people differently? Maybe he was infected earlier than your landlord was, or something. Could be. Or... Maybe he had more exposure to whatever precipitates the symptoms. What? If there's something in the environment that's triggering people to be symptomatic from this infection... Maybe the more you're exposed to it, the more rapidly you deteriorate? Could be. I think it's something we need to look into, if we ever get the chance. But I'll be honest with you, the West Wing isn't going to be safe for much longer. We won't be able to stay here long enough to do any research. The team is going to head out soon, and I'm pushing to let you come with us when we go. Yeah, I'd I'd rather not be left here to die, if that's the only alternative. That's kind of looking like that, actually. That's why it's so important you give us whatever information you've got. I don't want to leave you here, but it's a very real concern that if you don't say the right things... Okay, well, just give me the chance to say whatever those things are. Can I get back to the story? By all means. We were halfway between floors using our makeshift rope, and the wind picked up. The sand, or 
the dirt or silt, whatever the dust is that comes in when the wind picks up, was biting into my eyes. It was getting into my nose and my mouth. It was getting harder and harder to see. So we swung into a balcony and I broke out a window to get us back into the building away from that pain and that pecking and that biting cold wind. We hid in the apartment. I had pulled the body out onto the balcony because I didn't want Meredith to have to see such an awful sight. The apartment was protected from the wind, but it was still cold. The heat had died in the building around the same time as the lights when they officially shorted out. We were both shivering, even though the wind was only a tenth of the chill it had been when we were outside. We hid in the apartment where the dead hominid had been living, so I untied some of the blankets from the rope and I tucked them around Meredith. I tried to make light of the situation for her. I told her I was building us a blanket fort, that she could name the blankets, like my sister and I had named our rocks or our boulders such a long time ago. <laughs> I wrapped so many blankets around her, actually, that she started to fall forward from the weight of them all on her shoulders. <laughs> so eventually, I took a couple of the blankets for myself, and we just hung out in our little fort. The blankets kept Meredith from being able to see the body that was slowly getting picked apart by the sediment in the wind out on the balcony, so that was probably a plus. <laughs> I think I even sang her that song that used to get stuck in my head when I worked overnight shifts. <laughs> it turned out that her parents are pretty religious, and she knew the song too. <laughs> Super weird. She, um, she didn't know it from a video game like I had learned it from, but we sang it together nonetheless. It kept her spirits up while we tried to wait out the cold and, and the wind. I won't lie, it, it made me feel a little bit better too. I didn't realize how exhausted I was, but at some point in time I must have sang us both to sleep while we hid away in that apartment. I don't remember falling asleep, but I do remember the warmth of the flannel and the blankets that surrounded us. I think I dreamt about the nights I used to do yoga back in my old house with those scented candles. It was the smell, actually, that, um, that woke me up. But it wasn't the smell of overpriced scented candles, it was the smell of um, burning wood. The fire on the sixth floor had started to reach closer to where we were located. As I awoke, I became aware of the sharp crackles and pops that go along with bonfires or high-class living room fire pits. And there was a light um, coming in through the crevice at the bottom of the doorway, the entry door that would have led into the dead man's apartment from the hallway. The light was warm, orange, and there was smoke. All of a sudden, I realized that the air was a lot thicker than it should have been. 
When I moved the blankets just so I could poke my eyes out and see the rest of the room, I was hit in the face with this black, intolerant air. Smoke. The fire was right outside the apartment door. And I had such a headache. And my throat was already burning. So I nudged Meredith. I tried to wake her up. I mean, we had to leave. We were about to be burned alive, but for some reason this girl wouldn't open her eyes. I think a part of me knew that the smoke inhalation must have knocked her unconscious. I mean, even when I went from sitting to standing, I almost fell back down again because I thought I was going to pass out myself. We clearly weren't getting an adequate amount of oxygen. (laughs) But we didn't have time to afford for me to be weak. If I lost consciousness, Meredith and I would both die. I became acutely aware of how hot the room was getting. I tried so hard to wake her up. I shook her. I shook her harder than any person should ever shake a child, but she just but she just wouldn't open her eyes. When I realized that she wasn't waking up no matter how hard I tried, I knew I had to carry her because either way we had to leave. I'm I'm not a very strong person. I suck at CPR. <laughs> And I haven't been working out, and I know that my diet hasn't been the greatest because I've been living on whatever canned foods I had left since the last time I was able to leave the apartment. But I just couldn't leave her. Her tiny body was still snuggled into a half a dozen blankets, and she looked so peaceful, but I refused to accept that she was dead. Not yet. I saw that she was still breathing. I took her wrist, I felt for a pulse, and it was there. It wasn't the strongest pulse I've ever felt, but at that point I'll take what I can get. This little girl, she's all I have left. It would have been so easy to lie down and sleep again. Just let the carbon monoxide put me back to sleep so I could dream some more about the life I used to live and then never wake up or have to face this reality that we're all trapped in now. But I couldn't. I had her to think about. And I promised her that I would help her survive and I promised her I would help her find her mother so at least one of us could have a family again. So... I picked her up. She's only little. It wasn't really that difficult. (sighs) Whatever blankets we had that were still tied together, I dragged them back out onto the balcony. The wind had died down just enough that I started to be able to see the moon. It was so cold. Compared to the suffocating heat inside the room we had been sleeping in, that cold helped wake me up, I think. I carried Meredith's little body over the dead hominid that was blocking the balcony door. I tied the blanket rope back to the railing at the end of the balcony and I threw the rope back over. I knew it wasn't long enough for us to reach the ground anymore, but 
We had ran out of time to find any hope for a safe landing. The best I could do was try to get us both as close to the ground level as possible, and then jump, and hope I didn't break my legs or my neck. And just as the flames started licking in through the bottom crevice of the apartment door that was leading into the hallway, I jumped over the balcony with this somewhat conscious Meredith, and I climbed down as as best I could. I tried my best. I really did. I know that at some point we must have fallen, but it wasn't too far. When we got to the ground, I dragged us both here, (laughs) to the hospital. Because the hospital's the only place I know outside my apartment. And I hoped that you would be here. That maybe somebody would be here that could give Meredith some oxygen and whatever treatment she needed to wake up. Because she has to wake up. And I couldn't... I couldn't let her die. Wow. This is going to be tough to explain. Time's up, Mavris. Who the hell are you? Are you serious? Show her the file, Mavris. She's not ready. What file? Sam, who is this guy? What the hell is going on? I didn't want to give you this. Marcus calls the shots around here, though. So my hands are kind of tied. One of the team had figured out access to the patient files that the resident physicians keep in storage. You mean the dungeon? If that's what you call it, yeah. Kind of a fitting name, given the lack of windows. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about it. (laughs) Um... Whose file is this, though? When I moved into the West Wing, there was a lot of random stuff to sift through. I was still trying to figure out what happened to Nadia. So when we discovered how to get into the dungeon, as you call it, I, I was pretty excited when I found Nadia's desk. Her, her files. I guess she had some dictations left to do. I am not following. Okay, Remember when Nadia left you that note, but I I couldn't find it? Yeah. Uh, was Was it on her desk or something? No, but there was a patient file that... Well, here. What is this? That patient that Nadia and yourself took care of. The last patient before you took your leave of absence. This is his file. I don't see how this is at all relevant to what's going on right now. Just, I want you to read the file, Sarah. I know that story already, Sam. I was there. I was there when he died. I remember it well enough. I'm not so sure you do. There never was a kid, Sarah. Marcus, shut up. This Meredith kid you keep referencing to isn't real. You can read the patient's chart yourself. It's right in front of you. But... Meredith is the name of the daughter of your last patient. The patient died, the daughter didn't get to say goodbye, and you snapped. We get it. You're batshit. We all know it. 
We don't have time to keep dancing around this issue any longer. You're either with us or you're not. She's not. Sarah, I'm really sorry. We can talk about this after, but listen. That group you fought, the one with your landlord, I'm not sure if he's with the group, but there is a pile of infected trying to break into the hospital. We can only hold them off for so long. That gun that Marcus just shoved at you is loaded. We need you to help us get out of here before we get completely taken over or we're all going to die in here. So what's it going to be? Are you going to take the gun and help us or? I can't. Meredith isn't real. When you arrived at the West Wing, you arrived alone. You were carrying a bunch of blankets and screaming that your friend needed help. There was no friend. It was just you all along. We don't have time for this. Make a decision. Sarah, please. It's too late. The infected have infiltrated the building. We've got to go. We're leaving. Are you coming? Right now, with or without you. Sarah. for listening to the season finale of Rapture 518. Please note that mental illness is a very real, very relevant issue that all of us have the potential to face regardless of occupation, gender, age, or social status. Mental illness is not a weakness. It is not the individual's fault. If you, or someone you know, are suffering from mental illness please know that you are not alone. Please reach out to friends, family, or to a trusted healthcare professional. And please accept people for their flaws as much as their skills. Thank you for listening to Season 1. We look forward to bringing you our upcoming Season 2. Hearts and Puppies. Dr. Sarah Pennsylvania.